Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome back to the Talking Granny podcast. My name, as always, is Stuart McNamara, and I'm here with my co-host, who is completely not sick, the bastard, Robert Cross. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you, Rob Grass here? Yeah, but we we didn't have one out last week because Stu came down with a little bit of a throat thing. Um, lost his voice. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't lose my voice. It was. Um, in fairness, we don't really know what it was because I never actually got to see a doctor with the uh, the whole beer bug that we have right now. Yep. So well, I just kind of. Well, you tested negative for that. It's, it's yeah. fair. It's fair to say we we you did test negative. Yeah, and, I didn't want and, to and isolate. So we we are yeah. we are in the clear now. <laughs> but it was much more difficult for me to talk. Still a bit difficult. So there's going to be a bit more uh, lisping and whatnot in this episode. But yeah, we're gonna. I'm going to be doing most of the talking. We're going to do one sit in the same format as the last one, talking about a few things. But yeah, yeah. So we have a report here, uh, done by Robert Cross. Uh, but first, we will go into our uniquely Irish segment. Yes, which is pennies. Yes. Which, first off, I suppose is more international now, but I think the original brand itself is one of the most uniquely Irish things. Yeah, I think pennies people... is more particularly. Irish. I think it. What's yeah, it people called? would know Primar- Primark. Primark or, it's similar, I suppose, in the the US to JC Penny. It's not a million miles. Yeah, off. I don't, I, they're not the same. They're not the. So they're not the same. But it, it's the only comparable. It's kind yeah. of a. A cheap kind of clothing I believe, shop. I believe the term they use is fast fashion. Fast fashion, yeah, but it certainly would be on the more budget conscious yeah. side of fashion. Which so, it really works for people. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's huge in Europe. Yeah, it's 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 um you know just kind of if if you want to get a t shirt for a fiver, pretty that's, much that's yeah. kind of what like it's quite popular at women's clothes. You can get to to their credit, you can get pretty nice stuff in there for not that much money. Which is kind of the, the whole appeal. I mean, uh, especially in Ireland, people don't particularly like, unless they're trying to show off going for the, the Hugo Bosses and, and Ralph Lorenz or whatever. Or the River, River Island, I suppose, would be the kind of And at the same time, uh, Penny's has become kind of its own um, mark of pride. Like, if someone comes up to you and says, oh, I love your shirt, where did you get it? It's Penny's on. Penny's on. That's, yeah. that's the response. Everyone says it because it's kind of like, I'm so surprised that what you got is is from pennies, and it, it and it's kind of great because it's it, they have. It, it, I suppose it's mostly kind of a women's thing. It's fair to I say, mean, like it, but obviously it's more focused oh, yeah, on women. Yeah. But, but like, there's, have there's always a men's a in the kids section, and like there's random crap you get there. They they always have like uh, random official superhero T-shirts and video game ones. I've yeah, noticed, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're licensed. Like stuff, so. they do have branded stuff there as well, and occasionally they get like these fashion trend things in. I remember at one point, it, I, I think it was like during a Kanye West video, maybe like, you know, that stronger, faster, better, stronger one that he did. Right, he yeah. Off Daft Punk. And he, like, he had the, you know, the glasses in it, which is like had the... Oh, the shaded glasses. Yeah, with like the kind of lines across them. I remember like Penny's did those and they like sold out really quick. Like it was just the done thing. And, like the Lady Gaga, you know, she has the glasses where you can like lift up the... 
Oh, right. The sunglass parts. And they they were like really popular there as well. And I remember there was like this phase. I don't know if this was just a Limerick thing or on like the when, when the, the scene I was like when I was gigging like in, in our band and we were like playing with emo bands and metal bands. It was like fingerless gloves were just the thing at the time. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but like we, you know, you we just used to go into petties and get like different colors. And, like, yo, because you, you'd mismatch them. You'd have like a red one and a black one. Yeah, I think pennies is the yeah. place that set the trend for the country whatever they were selling yeah was the most fashion conscious thing you could get in the entire country but it, it's just like all these mem- random memories because like you'd, you'd, we, they used to do like multicolored like laces like you know you'd get your converse oh, yeah, and you'd yeah, relace cool. them with that That just, it just brings back a load of memories actually um, but it's still it's still there and it's still doing quite popular um, I understand the founder died about last year was it Something I like think Recently enough. I think one of our friends works in Penny's and I think she said they had to do two minutes of silence. Yeah, two minutes, not two, one. Not two, two. minutes. Which While is... all the customers are there just trying to get their shit. Yeah, so it it, it is kind of something, but it's I, I suppose it's very much an Irish kind of um, institution, I, I, I'd have to say, Stu. It's very much, there's one in every town and city and it's just very popular to go into and, I don't know, waste your time or something like that and I wouldn't go overly say waste of time well no, no I'm not saying it's a it waste of time pr- but it's, it's it there. I mean I'm just looking there to see the first one opened in 1969 nice nice uh, and it's still there so it's still there on Dublin which is kind of crazy um, let's see the area served you have Austria Belgium Poland France Germany Ireland Italy Netherlands Portugal Spain, Slovenia, United Kingdom, and United States. So they are in the states. I, I've I've certainly been in one in Portugal at one point. And I, yeah. I got a great laugh out of it because I was like, "That's oh, just like being home." <laughs> yeah, I, I I had a similar experience when I was in Spain, and I wandered into a Dunn stores. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Duns are in in Spain. Yeah, and it this like, is crazy. It was the same lino floor, the same awful black jumpers. It was down down to like except for the fact that everything was in Spanish. I had just walked. Oh, home. you could you get your dairy go butter there. I'm, I'm sure. I think it was just a clothes shop. Ah, but either way, it was just shocking, especially after backpacking for so long, and then you're just like, oh, this is kind of nice, just like home. Back home, it makes you more at home than like the fake Irish pubs. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, because the the best part about it was, I was in this big uh, shopping center, and so I was walking along. And what I noticed at first was they had these um, kind of neon lights on the, the ceiling, like a line of them curving along. So there were multiple curves of these green lines. And like I just have a vivid memory of that being the way the old shopping centres were, the Duns. Yeah, that really, like the Duns, that's currently derelict in Limerick that's being yeah. part, made part of the university. Um, on It's on Henry Street, isn't it? Kind of end of Henry Street. End of Henry Street, it's up by... The park and the bridge. That's um I remember when that was open before they opened the the, the, the swanky new one slightly mm. up the road from it. Um that was very like that. That was like yeah, a, kind of neon boxy cool kind of yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was very much like that. And it was we had like these weird bits that would just go up and down. Like yeah. you go below street level and above. It's just weird, but I don't know. In any case, back to pennies. Back to pennies, yeah. Uh so I think if you walked up to any Irish person, uh unless they had something specific on, most of their clothes would probably be in some way, shape, or form, pennies. Pretty sure this, you know, shirt I'm wearing right now might have been gotten in pennies. The pants, the shoes, the socks. Yeah, everything I'm wearing right now is pennies. Yeah, 
that, that I think that seems fair. I, I mean, mean, it's grand. It yeah. keeps stuff. It doesn't last very long. But then again, you're only going to be throwing it out anyway. Sometimes they do. I find the belts and pennies are actually quite good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, to wear like with a suit when I'm like, you know, being swanky and meeting clients and stuff. They actually last pretty long, I found. I think the best thing I ever bought in there was a, a five euro golf umbrella. It was the sturdiest fucking thing I've ever had. Until I got like robbed or something. No, no, someone put a fucking chair on it. And like, oh, mashed right. one of the arms. Oh, but before no. that, absolutely perfect. Like in torrential rain, heavy wind, it stood up to it all. It was brilliant. So one of the advantages of working in the financial world is that you just get loads of free golf umbrellas at events. Mm. <laughs> like, I probably got about five of them in my room in Dublin. And yet you can't play golf. Well, I mean, I did when I was younger. <laughs> sure you did. I used to live when I was a lot younger, and I remember my father's very big into it. My brother is as well, actually. They were playing this week. Um, I might get back into it. I probably should. But I caddied for my father in one of the best courses in Portugal. Like, so probably, I think like one of the holes there was voted like the ninth best or most scenic one in the world. I don't know, something like that. So it was great because I got to like drive a golf cart, and it was brilliant. <laughs> Bit of jackass there. Oh, like, because... Um, I, there's there's actually a term for this where basically he goes and plays the shot and go up the course and I have to drive to the next teeing off point because I like because I was he was playing with three lads and three younger English fellas actually they they met because the three of them were going out with three sisters nice yeah and it, and uh, and you know, we, we, we kind of just they needed a fourth and he was paired off and it was a very nice kind of relaxed thing and so I I put there was a I you, you didn't drive the golf cart on the actual fairway because it would destroy it. Yeah. So there was like a little route that would kind of go around in between, like, you know, just off in the trees around it. And you know, every one of the guys goes, your son is like doing extreme karting, like in, dark, in between <laughs> the trees. That was exactly what I was imagining. Your dad's just there getting ready, like nice and serene. And in the background, it's like, ah, ah, just doing donuts around. <laughs> so that was fun. Right. We kind of got very sidetracked so after there. after that second sidetrack, uh, I think we'll get on to the crux of the episode so rob yeah so because you can't really talk too much um we're gonna do another we, we think the one last not quite last week but last time rather we talked about uh, colonel blood or captain blood whatever you want to call him yes uh went pretty well we got good feedback off that so we're gonna try another one now this is a little bit closer to homes it's it's, it's in our, our hometown which we're very proud of limerick city and you know it's one of these stories that you yeah you, you heard in a pub yeah, it, 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 there's lots of these stories you hear around town still, aren't there? How you know Bob Marley went into this pub once, how Tupac went down Lives the oil fields, yeah. yeah, you know, because he, he he didn't die in California at all. Um, and all these other crazy stories, all these, oh, like you never guess who was in here last week? Who Warren Beatty? <laughs> that was the famous one, wasn't it? Yeah, and stuff like that. But one that always um used to pop up quite a lot when I used to do drink and perform poetry in the the White House pub. Uh, it's just off off of their main street of Con Street and up Glentworth Street. It's a lovely old pub. It's been I haven't gone there recently because it was bought by a new owner and it's lost a little bit of its uh, poetic shine. But um, it was always a consistent story that people talked. It's like you know Che Guevara came in here once, and it was like did he really? 
Because you, because you talk to some of the some of the older yeah, people. Yeah, it sounds nonsense. It you, really does. Because you talk to some of the older people, the older kind of poets in their tweed jackets, and it like would have been alive at the time, certainly, yeah. and would have been a drinking age. And they were like, "Oh well, I wasn't there that night, but I know I heard about it." Or Jimmy, be like, oh, Jimmy said he heard he, he was he was in there. Barney said, "Oh, I met him. I met him. Oh, he was it was Che Guevara, all right." And then he went out and he got sick in the fountain out there, and he oh, went gosh. back to the airport. So then I don't know anything about that, but you look into it a little bit, and. Well, there's actually, there's more to this stew than meets the eye. Ooh. Well, first of all, um, I think we all know Che Guevara. We've heard of him. Um, To give him his full name, Ernest, Ernest, Ernesto Guevara Lynch. <laughs> and you might, you might be like, Lynch is an Irish name, and he was of Irish descent. And, and originally being an Ar- Ar- Argentinian, of course. But there was a lot of Irish people in South America, too. A lot of a lot of Irish people did emigrate to South America. It was very much well. You can for the cocaine. Yeah, I don't think it really was a thing at the time, but uh, maybe <laughs> maybe maybe that's what they got down there earlier. Um, it was Buenos Aires was a very popular place to go to, uh, as much as going to New York or London or places like that. So it was definitely an option. There's fifteen percent of Argentinians claim Irish ancestry. Nice. Um, isn't as many as America, but it's it's yeah a decent chunk of the population. But uh, across all of South America, too, there's a lot of Irish connections. Um, one of the great heroes of Argentine independence is an Admiral William Brown, uh, or Guillermo Brown, I think is what he is in Argentine Spanish. Uh, he was a mailman who was right. a sailor and who became the founder of their navy. Not a bad job. Not a bad job at all. Uh, we also have then in uh, Chile. And this is an interesting story. The last... Uh, Chile was, of course, in part of the Spanish Empire, too, as you'd be shocked to hear. And the last viceroy the, the king had sent over there to, to keep an eye on was a man from... I, I, it, I, possibly Westmeath or Meath, depending on where exactly. But he was called uh, Ambrose O'Higgins. So he was actually Irish because... Lucky man to get out of Meath, though. He was, he was now. Uh, but his son, Bernardo O'Higgins, ended up becoming a leading freedom fighter and was the very first president of Chile. And in fact, the main street in Santiago, which is the capital, is still called O'Higgins Avenue. Oh, nice. So there's there's still a very proud ancestry of Irish people there, and I, I it, it's very much their their struggle for independence in a lot of these countries is very much linked to our own kind of battle for it. I think that very much Irish mercenaries would have gone off to fight with Simon Bolivar fighting for independence in uh, certain parts of South America, and uh, it was very much well they were fighting against a form of imperialism, even if it isn't the British. Yeah. So it, it very much kind of ties into it. So, so there was a very much, a, 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 and still are, like a very large amount of people of Irish descent there in South America. I think my favourite one is the largest cattle farmers in Uruguay are the O'Neills. As it should be. As it should be. Is that where they get the uh, pants from? Uh, of course. That's uh, all leather pants. Oh, yeah. O'Neill's <laughs> leather pants, of course. That's it, too. Um, so yeah, so Jay, uh, to, to, to get to call him like his nickname, uh, Jay was actually the, a nickname that the Cubans gave him. It's, it's kind of like calling an Irishman a paddy. It's like they call Argentines Chays. Oh, right. So it, it, it's, it's basically like saying Paddy Mac would be like the name of my Jay dog, yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the same thing as calling like us Paddy or Mick or something like that. But he, he, he embraced it, he didn't particularly mind. So Chase was born in Argentina in 1928 um, to an Irish-Argentine family, of course. Uh, his father had the same name as him. He was uh, Don uh, Ernesto Guevara Lynch. And his mother was called, well, basically Mary was her short form. So very, very much Irish. Uh, he was born to a wealthy family. Uh, he was able to go to university in Buenos Aires and study medicine. 
Not bad. And he was also very, very fond of rugby. And he, As he should be. And he was a scrum half, actually. He was uh, quite large, actually, uh, for Argentine standards. Definitely a bit, little bit of the, the Irish is rubbing him off in there. Uh, I, th- I think, like, it's worth saying Argentina are one of the few teams outside of kind of the usual teams in, in the kind of rugby World Cup. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think it's like, they do, they're not a bad team. I, I think it's very fair to say they'd definitely be, um, they're definitely better than Italy. <laughs> poor, Italy. <laughs> poor, poor Italy. It's like, how is like Italy in, even in the Six Nations sometimes do? But, well, they try. So, yeah. And then eventually he, when he was in university, he, he started doing a little bit of journalism. Got a very interested in this whole communism thing that had started mm-hmm. to take off. And then he ended up meeting uh, two lads on a, when he was doing some journalism in Mexico called Fidel Castro and his brother Raul Castro. The inventor of the fiddle. Exactly. And, well... Let's just say things changed there. He ended up going off to Cuba, fighting with them, becoming a Cuban citizen, a revolutionary, and becoming a minister in the Cuban government. And we all know the rest of the story there. Um, I will just say at this point, we're not like endorsing communism or anything like that in this, or like violent revolution. Um, we're we're just telling an interesting story. That or we like don't not endorse it. We don't not endorse if, it. If any communist wants to sponsor the podcast, we would be delighted. I- ironically, this <laughs> is like the government is like it's our podcast, <laughs> comrade. Um, I'm also not going to endorse some of Jay's personal views, which are we're not going to talk about them. But just to be clear about that, so yeah, so I think it's fair to say people know Che Guevara, even if they only know the image of him. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about that image, the famous image of him oh, yeah. seeing blazing on T-shirts in a second, because it's actually related to Ireland. So. Che was proud of his Irish ancestry, too, as, 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 everyone, one as, as one should be. His father famously said, um, you know, through my son's, uh, this is after he died now, after my son's veins always ran the blood of Irish rebels. Nice. And he was he was very much very proud of his Irish ancestry. Always said he was South American and uh, first didn't really say Argentine. He kind of you know kind of more Cuban, kind of pan nationalist. I think is one of what you you say these days. He was very interested in his Irish history, and he, he, he there's a lot of questions about it. Um, it's generally seen as that his great grandfather, or maybe great great grandfather, it was always a bit unclear, came from Galway. Uh, Patrick Lynch or Patricia Patricia Lynch when he got to South America. The years batted around that he came from somewhere in Galway in about seventeen fifteen, and oh, right. he and his wife was also from Galway, and she was um I, I've seen a bunch of different names. It might have been Mary Blake or something like yeah, that. That explains the communism. Connacht. It, it does. Uh, interestingly, though, it, it is worth saying that there there's like fourteen tribes apparently that settled Galway, different families. It's, it's a city oh, right. of tribes. Uh, the Blakes and the Lynches wore two of them. So it does, it, it, there are certainly Galloway names, uh, or are they, as, as we'll get to in a second. So he, he very much had an interest in it, but he was, you know, curious about it. But there was never really a clear thing. Lynch is a very common name in Galloway. Mm-hmm. There's also Lynch's in Cork, and there's also a lot of Lynch's out in County Clare, particularly in a place called Kilkey, which we've certainly mentioned on this oh. podcast before. Because, Stu, before Che ever came to Limerick, he went to Kilkey. And you see, for ages, I had thought that these two stories, because I knew these, these, this story and, you know, about him going to Limerick, him going to Kilkey, I always figured they were on the same trip. Well, you'd expect it, but you, it's a long trip. Yeah, but it, they're actually two completely different. I, I really only, like, they're, 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 we have a definite date for the Limerick one, we don't really for the Kilkey one. We know roughly when, but we don't have, like, a precise timeline. What we know is, Jay... Was in, was in Kilkee in the summer of 1962. 
basically there's a fellow called Jim Fitzpatrick who's a prominent artist might want to remember that for a little bit okay and he was working in behind the bar in the Marine Hotel uh, which I believe is currently generally known as the Strand I was actually in there <laughs> the, over this summer having dinner it was quite nice and basically he said he was having a chat one of the regulars next thing the doors burst open and these three characters he said looking like cowboys uh, yeah I can see that it, it came in and he recognised them straight away and he goes oh the Mr. Lynch, Dr. Lynch, you know, Derek Guevara, whatever it was. And he said, you recognize, what, what are you doing here? And he says, oh, I'm just, you know, having having a bit of a look around, basically. And uh, he said, oh, uh, what would, can I get you something to drink? And he said, well, you see, you drink Roman cube. He says, oh, no, I don't want rum. I'd rather something locally. Would you like a Guinness? And he said, no, not not a Guinness. So he ended up having a Powers whiskey watered down a little bit. And his two, gen- and his two minders had um, fizzy drinks, is what he said. Watering down the powers. I mean, powers is probably not the best whiskey. It would be good for you to drink some hot whiskey. I think it'd be probably the best for that. But it, right. it would certainly be, you know, the cheaper one, hmm. I suppose. But it's not, it's not pretty fine whiskey. I, w- I wouldn't, you know, break it out. <laughs> it's not bad. So that um, that was kind of it. And he said what actually happened was he was going over on Aeroflot, which was the Soviets, the Russians' airline, uh, to Moscow to do some trade negotiations. They'd actually had to stop in Shannon for a fuel over. Uh, this is a very famous thing in Ireland, yeah. of course. Shannon was the last airport before you went to cross the Atlantic Ocean. You generally had to stop there to refuel. It was there like France, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like us. It used to be that when we had flying boats, they'd land in Foynes out in County Limerick, or if you were on a proper plane, you'd land in Shannon. So that was that was very standard. And they basically it got very foggy in Shannon, so they're like, "Oh, we're not going to be able to leave now." And basically, Shay was like, "Well, I've I've known." He kind of said, "No, there's lynches in Galway, but there's also lynches down in Clare, and Shannon is in Clare, it's very close to Limerick as well, yeah. though." And he, and they just kind of said they they're renting a Ford. And just kind of going on a, on a spin down to Kilkey, and they just ended up having a nice little time there. Um, and that's kind of what he told Jimmy. He just said, I, I'm kind of down here. Is Lynch should be my other family's name. And he was asking a couple of questions about that. And so it was perfectly lovely. But um, another little thing that came out as well, Steve, was that apparently he may have been in Kilkey before that when he was a lot younger. Ooh. Now, I can't find anything else about this. It, this, this is entirely a rumor, but what I can find is that he apparently went to Kilkey with his mother when he was very young we don't even have a timeline on this so probably in it would probably have been probably I presume possibly before World War Two or the emergency so he probably would yeah. yeah he probably would have been like so we're talking like before 1939 so probably the mid to late 30s so he'd probably be under 10 at this kind of thing and he, he apparently stayed in the Royal Hotel there and you know, went around. So it, it does kind of bring some credence that maybe he was one of the Clare Lynches as opposed to the Galway Lynches. But it is kind of worth saying, I can only find one person telling a, a vague story about this. I can't you prove there's no there's no evidence. And investigate. Yeah, um, so, so that's kind of it. But interesting, Jim Fitzpatrick, it was a bit of an artist too, as I mentioned there. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And after he heard Jay died, he kind of got a bit inspired along with the, the, the protests that were happening in Paris around the same time in 67 to 68. And he took this famous picture that was uh, taken at Che Guevara. And he ended up doing a kind of a print of it and kind of like a, a black and white kind of print of it. And then that became a very famous picture. You might recognize it on t-shirts. And this famous was communist man <laughs> sold everywhere in the glory of capitalism. Well, you have to pay it again to Karl Marx's grave as well, Stu. So it's not uh, <laughs> it's not out there. So that was um, that was uh, that was an interesting little bit, little tidbit there. Uh, there might be much more to it, but getting to the other part of the story now, Stu. That wasn't Che's only little foray to Ireland oh. in the nineteen sixties. There was another one. So. We do have a more solid details for this one in places. Uh, on the 13th of March, 1965, a Cubana, which is their national airline, uh, plane had to stop in Shannon due to mechanical issues. Now, whether this was discovered when they were refueling or whatever, it's unclear, but they, they stopped there and they couldn't leave for a little while because there were technical issues. Not enough cigars. On Not there. enough cigars there. But uh, our, our good friend, uh, Dr. Uh, Guevara Lynch, was on there along with another Cuban government minister, and I'm going to probably butcher this man's name, Dr. Osmani Cienfugos. Cienfugos? You speak a bit of Italian, did not you? I'm going to go with what you said. Cien... I'm pretty sure it's like, it's a it's a soft C, so it's like Cienfugos. Fugos? Anyway, the, the, him, him and the good doctor, um, they were going over to Algeria for a, you know, one of those ministerial meetings. I think Jay was in charge of transport and the other guy was in charge of, like infrastructure. So it was one of those communisty meetings. Um but they couldn't leave obviously, so they they had to do nothing. Um and there was a, a local journalist there, Arthur Quinlan was his name, and he he worked for the Limerick Leader and a bunch of other Irish newspapers and he basically just sort of waited around Shannon Airport to see who would turn up. Because it was a good way of getting exclusives. Because, like as we'd said, uh, Shannon Airport was busy spot. it was a busy spot. It was you know you'd have to do your stopover if you were going to or from like New York or America or a lot of places. You'd you'd stop over there to refuel. I'm not saying that they'd come off the plane, they'd you know get a bite to eat, maybe yeah, get like a, back in the day, a drink. Remember going to Shannon and John, we see the photos of all the famous people who'd been exactly. It's like they might have even been in Ireland technically, but they'd been in like the VIP areas and all that. Exactly. So without to come with the great idea of if I just wait out there, I'll just see who turns up. And he, he managed to kind of nab a few people like Marilyn Monroe and JFK and all that and a few other people. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But he was he was out there anyway. And there was some fella, uh, Jim was his name, who worked in the uh, IDA, which is the, D- the Industrial Development Authority. They basically built a lot of factories and stuff around Shannon Airport when it was opened because it was, you know, in order to transport things in, it was very easy to put it next to an airport at the time. Yeah. And he gave him a little tip off and said, I think there's someone very interested on this plane. I think it might be Che Guevara. Now, there's speculation that this gentleman may have been... Che Guevara yeah, himself. 
<laughs> well, no, he might have been getting a bit of money off Americans to keep an eye. There is oh, CIA right. talk, but I, I'm unsubstantiated rumor. So maybe he was there to keep an eye on him. But anyway, um, our, our good our good friend Arthur managed to to find Jay. It was uh, in the hotel in front of the airport at the time, which is now the Irish College of Hotel Management. Exciting stuff. <laughs> Exciting stuff it is. And he was he was trying to have a chat with him, but Jay was pulling the old I don't speak English card and you know, wasn't that it? But uh he the Arthur knew a little bit about maybe he'd heard about the other story about him coming to Ireland, but he kinda of said, Well aren't your family like the Lynches from uh you know, up in Galloway and they either speak English or they speak Irish, which one is it? And Jay kinda of laughed and said, I'm gonna go at the back and we'll have a chat. And he said that he he couldn't get anything really out of him in terms of he wouldn't talk about politics. He he did talk about he, he did manage to break the ice a bit and talk a little bit more about his family. Um, talking about like the Lynches up there, and he was asking him, "Do you know anything about the Lynches?" And he said, "Oh, Galway, Clare, and all that." And he didn't seem to really let on much more. But Jay did say, I, "I'd like a drink while I'm here." <laughs> and um, Arthur said, "Well, I know a nice little spot in Limerick City, just in the road. It's in Hanrity's Hanrity's Hotel, and the pub was closely known as the Glue Pot at the time." Now, whether this is the White House pub or not is a bit debatable. It it, it does appear that he he was in Hannity's hotel as opposed to the White House, but they're basically next to each other, so it's oh, possible right. they're it's possible he was in both, or he mistakenly was in one. But Hannity's is is certainly what Arthur recommended to him, the glue pot, as it was called at the time. Um, so Jay went in with a, with a few mates, apparently, and Arthur said, I think he would be, would be very comfortable there. And I, I must say, I, I got a load of this bits out of an article in the Scotsman newspaper from 2003, actually. Um, they were a bit behind the times. Yeah, but it was interesting. It was um, This next bit is about one of the writers in, in the New Scotsman who was actually writing a play about Che Guevara. Um, he was over in Limerick in 1979, because this was the year after Monster famously beat the All Blacks in hey. rugby. And he was there for there at the first anniversary, and he met someone in the White House who told him the story that, oh, we had Che Guevara in here a couple of years back. And he just completely forgotten about it. And then it popped into his mind again, and he was like, he looked into it, he was like, that can't be true. And then he found um, Arthur's Quinlan's thing in the front page of the Limerick Leader. Yeah. And from it, and it was just a very minor thing. Most people never even thought about it again. But he looked into it, and well, here's this is where the bit gets a bit fuzzy because alcohol was involved. Hey. Now, of course, Che Guevara said he famously never drank. Famously never drank. Famously Except never for all drank. that rum and the powers. And also, he was fond of a cigar and a Guinness um, in Cuba. We're told. Great man. Um, but he turned up to Hannity's with two of his mates, and they were welcomed with open arms. Apparently, they were recognised. I mean, it was Che Guevara at the height of his fame. I mean, he was certainly Everyone recognised. Everyone had a t-shirt. Everyone. <laughs> it's like Jim goes, I remember you. <laughs> You're the guy with my t-shirt. Uh, so apparently, they they he certainly didn't turn down a Guinness this time, Stu. I'm told he had a few. The direct quote um, from one of the people there was he was three sheets to the wind by the time he headed back to the airport. Nice. Which is an Irish expression for he was, you know, very, very, very drunk. <laughs> he'd, he'd had a good night. Um, there's lots of other stories, though, what happened in the pub that night. And these are the ones I heard of regulars in the, the bar yeah. when I was there. Now, I don't, I wasn't alive at the time. Um only one of my parents was alive at the time. I can't verify any of this. But apparently he was very much, he was being thought a few folks, uh, Irish folk songs. He, he he taught some Argentine folk songs as well to people. They were singing a few communist songs. Apparently there was dancing on tables too. 
Ooh. is what someone told me. Now, another person told me that she got off with Che Guevara that night. I'm not so sure about that. But um, anyway, <laughs> it was like, it's just, it was such a great now, story. Now, just... now, that would be something if on this little shitty podcast we're like, and she claims to have had his baby. <laughs> just this podcast breaking is, fucking news. This, this podcast is turning to like Jerry Springer. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just like Mari Pov. It's just like Che comes on. It's just like Che, you are not the father I told you. <laughs> I don't know. I think if we broke the story that Che Guevara's son is living in Limerick City, that would be great. <laughs> Um, I don't think that's true. I mean, I think she kind of just said, oh, no, he, I know it was him and he was gorgeous. I went up and was like kissing him and he told me he had a wife. And I was like, well, she's not here. <laughs> I don't... communism, aren't we all your wife? <laughs> <laughs> Smart man, Steve. Um, so that there's also apparently a story. He got sick in the fountain on a common street. Um, sure, we've all done that. We've, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know about that. But he certainly had a very interesting night there. Um, Anarchy's Hotel is on Glentworth Street. It, it is still there, Limerick. Um, I wouldn't recommend staying there at the moment because it is a direct provision centre. All oh, right, lovely. And there's an outbreak there at the moment, I understand. So that's that's lovely. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly a very memorable trip. It, it was told he was certainly a bit rough on the flight the next day. Um, yeah. He did, he did get to the conference and he was actually sacked from the government shortly afterwards because he was just like, we're not going far enough in the revolution. And then he went off to fight in Angola and um, Bolivia for communism as well and Bolivia is where they kind of got to him and well shot him oh Che Guevara that's that's kind of it but it, it's it's just kind of interesting about that I mean it, it's kind of worth saying as well that this was just before St. Patrick's Day when uh, Che was over here and apparently as well he, I, I, just to kind of me- mention this is something that did a bunch of people said and I, I do believe this is true apparently he just when he got back to the airport he was obviously inebriated but he was covered in like shamrocks you know that, that proper, proper like big lo- lumps of shamrock. Oh, like so actual, actual shamrocks, like. actual shamrocks. Like you know, like you, you, it's kind of a thing where like you get like the big kind of lump of shamrock, and you see the guys yeah. wearing it in their pocket. Apparently, he had this in all of his pockets. <laughs> you know, he was just absolutely covered in the stuff. Um, and I can find multiple sources with this. Like, I'm pretty sure like he had them like under his beret and everything. It says, so I just like that's great. Um, I I'll read the, the extract from the Limerick Leader. Um, if I if I can in a little bit, it's 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 very. Hard. I can't find a higher resolution version, oh, yeah, and it, it's it's actually very difficult to read. Unfortunately, should have gone down to the the library. Yeah, to be honest with you, if I had more time, I I, I very much could have. Uh, unfortunately, I think the Eamon Quinlan is dead at this point. Mm. I'm afraid he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, there was a documentary on RTE a little while back where. They went into the White House and they had Jim Fitzpatrick, who you might remember, met him in Kilkee yeah. and did the printing. And he actually gave an original print um, of the famous Shea picture to the White House and hangs up on the wall there now, which was quite nice. And you can see here, so this isn't that this is the best quality image I could get. Yeah, it's not so I'm going to I'm going to. So this is this is on was on the front page of the Limerick Leader in the 15th, 14th or 15th of March, 1965. He wanted to see Limerick nightlife. Limerick's most unusual occurrence during the weekend was Commander Ernesto Che Guevara, Cuban Minister for Industry, the second most powerful figure in the country, together with the Minister for Construction, Dr. Rosemary, we've discussed this guy's name, and 71 other passengers. Uh, they were held up at Shannon Airport since Friday night. I was, you gotta, I'm going to do my best to read this next part. It's very hard to read. The Cuban Airlines Eritrean Aircraft 
um, on which they were flying from in Prague, from Prague to Havana, developed technical issues and it was flown to the refactor in England uh, for repairs which are carried out and returned to the flight. The bearded Cuban Lieber with some friends paid a visit to Limerick. Uh, we were used to we were used to see men that I can't read. This. I think this is the night of our life, is what it says. Um, we'll see now. Uh, we want to see the nightlife, he said, as he set off for the Treaty City. However. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing we're doing our best here. This is like really bad. Yeah. Anyway, he had a good time. That's the, good. I mean. The, so that that was the, as anyone would have. That here. was that was it. But I I suppose that's kind of the highlight of it. But I I just find it very funny that one of these stories that you're told in a pub about this celebrity coming up here was actually true. Yeah. And it, it it's kind of funny, Stu, isn't it? Because you hear a lot of these in some Irish pubs where it's like, oh, you'd ever guess who was in the other week, and often or more often than not, some of them are actually true. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the magic of Ireland, I suppose, like our, our usual hangout in the, the the nighttime would often have the likes of Darren Shan. Yeah, like I love the fact that I've played beer pong with my favourite childhood author, Darren yeah. Shan, more than once. And it, it's it, it's rather lovely. Uh, Darren, if you ever want to come on the podcast, by the way, we'd be very happy to have you on. Uh, just like the other random people, like I remember there was a night Darrow Breen was playing beer pong yeah. in, in that pub and we missed him. Damn shame. But um, it, it, it is kind of interesting, some of the people you meet there. I remember going drinking with two members of the German parliament um, one night. It happens. It happens. I didn't know that. Like I, I was, I was introduced to them, and all oh, right, you speak German, and he was like, yeah, I'd had a chat with them, and I figured out they were both members. Of, well, one of them was a member of the Bundesrat, the kind of German Senate, and the other guy is like his political advisor. And I, we seriously, ended, both from Argentina, Arch- <laughs> <laughs> looking for the lynches. I'm not you again. <laughs> so, so there you go. I suppose that, that kind of wraps up the, the, the main gist of the story, Stu, but there, there's a couple of other things as well. Uh, Arthur Quinlan, the, the Shannon-based journalist, right. um, also met a bunch of other interesting people. Like his tattoo was waiting outside a plane and seeing who turns up worked because a couple of years later, he actually managed to get the other half of the coin. He managed to uh, see Fidel Castro was landing in Shannon for a stopover. And he managed to talk his way past his bodyguards by going, oh, I knew your your old friend, Dr. Dr. Guevara. And he kept referring to them that. And then she, Fidel was like, oh, you know, Che. And he was like, yeah, so send, let's send him sure. over. Because like, he said, oh, I interviewed him. And he, and he he got talking to him. And um, he did a brief interview with him. And he also showed him how to make Irish coffee. As you would. Yeah. Um, Irish coffee, of course, is coffee plus whiskey. In a, in, a, in a broad sense, yeah, but there's... I mean, it's tough stuff, I mean, you know, now, laboratory conditions. Oh, really. I mean, you know, Stu, it, 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 I, a lot of people would put a little bit of cream on top, certainly, with it, maybe a little bit of Baileys mixed in as yeah. well. I, I think it's grand. Uh, was it, it was potentially invented in Shannon Airport, um, or it might have been invented in Foynes when we had the flying boats out there. Either way, it certainly was invented in that area for stopovers. So apparently, apparently Fidel was a fan of it. Of course he was. Mm. So not not too bad. But um, a few other interesting people and interesting stories about, not entirely that Arthur Quinlan, you know, interviewed, but a few famous stories with the Shannon stopovers do. Um, probably the most famous was Boris Yeltsin. He was the Russian president. Now, he was the first president of an independent Russia since the Soviet Union had broken up, and this is 1994. Our first man in space, yeah? Uh, yeah, sure. And, uh, <laughs> and he did the stopover in Shannon. 
And of course, this is very, very important. So the entire like Irish government had come down there. They had the the steps. They had the the red carpet. The Taoiseach at the time, Albert Reynolds, was there. All of the like, major ministers were there. They were standing to attention. RT had the cameras there. They were all, you know, everything was a map. It was a very important day. Because uh, we'd always been a neutral-ish country during the Cold War. We, you know, yeah. we were, we could, you could always be safe here. And they were waiting there. And nothing, nothing happened yet. So, I don't know, he, he must be, must be in like very important phone call or something. It's like, what is it, you know... He has, the, he has these nukes now and everything else. He's yes, he's getting nuclear weapons back off the Ukraine. Um, he's dealing with like Russia. Uh, the Russians are dealing with the Americans now. He's going to a very important meeting in the UN. You know, he might be busy. You know, he might be very busy. And after the while, still nothing. And so you can just see at this point, you know, the cameras cut to like Albert Reynolds are fixing his tie and kind of looking at his watch, like kind of smiling and waving at everyone. And there's still, and eventually just uh, a guy comes down the stairs and whispers are made. And, and eventually, it's such a, oh, uh, unfortunately, the president won't won't be able to uh, come down and greet everyone. He's, um, I'm afraid he's very, he's not feeling the best at the moment. Hungover. No, he was still drunk. Hey, Appar- even better. Apparently, he was so drunk he couldn't get down the stairs. And they, it, you know, because Boris Yeltsin was certainly a man that was known for having a few drinks too. As one should be. And a couple, there's been a couple of cases where, you know, he was a little bit wobbly on stage and giving speeches sometimes. But I mean, certainly he was he was able to crack hey, man, a, he, was able, he, was, he was able to crack a few jokes, you know, and he was certainly very charismatic and he he did make some very important. Um, uh, moves when Russia was becoming in its own country out of the Soviet Union and far more than I'll get into now. But, you know, some people say that he had a drinking problem. Um, possibly. There's no such thing as a drinking problem. <laughs> we both know this, Rob. So, so but apparently he'd, he'd enjoyed himself a little bit too much on the flight over from Moscow and really wasn't feeling up to coming down to greeting everyone. So that was a famous story. Like it's just, I think the fact that there's like about an hour of like live footage, footage of just them standing there politely looking at the steps, like looking at their watches. It's just such a awkward TV moment, but it's I think it's pretty funny. And another interesting one as well, where uh, this is another a good friend Arthur Quinlan, uh, God rest him. He also managed to get the first interview with George Bush Senior, who was the American president at the time oh. during the first Gulf War. <laughs> he caught him in duty free in Shannon. <laughs> I I do I do love this like this like his he like managed to see the president and she just walks up to him it's like can I ask you a bit about the Gulf War that you're just after like attacking Iraq and he goes oh sure ask away yeah and like he got on like you know CNN Reuters like all the big he would no one else was able to get him and then you know no one does the plucky Irish journalist just you know gives it a go speaking of duty free do you know where uh, that started. Um, I believe it was Ireland, wasn't it? it was Shannon Ch- Air Force. Yeah, Ch- was it Ch- Chuck Feeney was certainly involved in that as well, wasn't he? I can't remember exactly the names, but yeah. we were the first place. We wore the first to, place, to yeah. Duty Free. I suppose, I think most people know what Duty Free is, but I suppose it's just kind of the shopping in an airport when, yeah. when you go through security. It's not really Duty Free anymore, anyway. Yeah, it was, the idea was that you, you wouldn't really be paying full taxes and yeah, you the were country kind of, that... You were kind of like... In inter- like non-international space I are going to say like in international waters like, well, I, that would be the, yeah. the comparison yeah well strictly speaking you are you're, you're in transit at that point you're yeah. not strictly in the country a question you know it depends kind of kind of a thing so you're saying if I commit a crime in an airport I cannot be arrested but I, I suppose um, one of the most significant ones I remember about a little stopover in 
Shannon Airport is. I know I'm too way too young to remember when the Pope came to Shannon and came down and kissed the tarmac, which I wouldn't personally do myself. No. Uh, you also went to Limerick Racecourse, the Pope. I was at JFK when he visited Limerick, so... I'd well, maybe... you have to get a bit on the phonies. Absolutely. I mean, you know, 4.30 on the GGs, too. Um, but uh, the one I remember is when Bill Clinton came over here. Uh, I think it was about he's doing the Good Friday Agreement stuff, which we talked about yeah. before. But I remember him coming to Limerick, and he, he gave a speech in a Conn Street. I remember tons of people there. I'm told I briefly managed to, like, touch him because I was quite young at the time. Um, I got arrested for that, Rob. <laughs> well, he was, in, he, was, he was being impeached in, the time <laughs> in America for that kind of, that kind of carry-on, Stu. Or Monica Lewinsky, but... Um, I do remember like seeing Air Force One, this big seven four seven flying over in the house. At least I was told it was his plane. I don't know if it was, but I, I remember it. I remember that distinctly. <laughs> a very large bird. Look, Rob, it's, it's Clinton. Oh, there, Rob. <laughs> um, but I remember my auntie did. Um, they were up in Dublin. They were flying out. I think for I think it might have been their honeymoon. They were flying out in Dublin. And they they were I think they were on actually flying Aeroflot as we mentioned the Russian one because apparently right. it was to go to Mexico it was apparently it was the way to get from Ireland to Mexico was to fly Aeroflot as it turned out Lovely. at the time so they were told oh sorry there'd be a slight delay in takeoff now because uh, Air Force One with Bill Clinton on it is right in front of us and they're being given right away and so they Bastard. got to see so they got to see like Air Force One take off right in front of them and they were like oh, that was really cool so I suppose that was the most significant visitor to. Shannon I can remember in my lifetime Stu play us out Rob alright thanks very much for listening guys we're going to try and get back to more of a normal format next week if hopefully Stu is fully recovered by then I should be hopefully so we are going to be doing a, a little bit of a theme for next week what are we going to be doing Stu so since we're coming in to October and Halloween we will be doing a couple of Halloween spooky movies so next week it is going to be The Leprechaun Yep, looking forward to it. I'll be following a little theme that we have, I think, for the entire month of October. Because, yeah. of course, Halloween is an Irish um, Celtic festival. Yes. And we'll talk a lot more about that uh, coming up. But thanks for listening, guys, anyway. Um, we've uh, we, we, we got some good feedback on these kind of new formats of episodes. So let us know what you think. We will be moving back to doing media for another little bit. But expect to see these episodes, episodes are kind of telling a story about something Irish uh, intermittently in there as yeah, well. Yeah, we might even uh, have a few banked away just in case I get sick again or whatever yeah we'll 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 we'll, tr- we'll try and arrange a contingency plan for if one of us gets sick <laughs> yeah. and can't speak uh but thanks for listening anyway guys you can reach us as always on twitter at, at talking uh, sorry at blarney pod that's the one and you can email us at talking at gmail.com um and tell a friend about our, our show as well uh give us as much feedback as you can we read everything that's sent in to us um some of our ideas have come from people recommending it so thank you very much for that so for me it's goodbye see you next week planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.